Ready, Dave? There is just one moon and one golden sun And the smile means friendship to everyone Though the mountains divide us in oceans Our white princess go world after all Here's a small world after Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. This, this is, I was trying to be a little more sensual this time. Um, <laughs> this is Jordan. And Dave Fox. And Jordan. And this is Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. So, wow, we haven't had an episode in a while. Dave, how was your New Year's? Yeah, my New Year's was good. Still here. Only answer in the form of related to They Might Be Giants, because this, we have to stay on topic. A, it was a very good year. Oh, that's sort of a reference to They Might Be Giants. A few people might know what's going on there. I'm surprised I had any. How was your New Year's, Jordan Cooper? My girlfriend was sick with the flu. (laughs) And um, not only that, the party we were going to go to got canceled. Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) So on on top of that, she was sick and I just sat next to her and I think we watched a, a movie and uh yeah i was invited to two parties this year i felt so loved i watched high noon by myself (laughs) that that was new year's high noon was good have you ever seen high noon i don't know what a high noon is it's uh, three shots uh, (laughs) um no it's the western with gary cooper and it's um in almost in real time almost sort of and it's it's very very tense and i actually really loved it and i never seen it before I like to call myself a film buff, but I'm full of shit because there's a lot I haven't seen. Boy, I tell you. I'm a film weakling. (laughs) Um, So, wow. Okay, there's a lot to cover in this episode. Well, first, Dave Dave brought something for me that I wanted you guys to to be a witness to. Dave brought me a little, a little, maybe a New Year's present. We don't really give each other presents on the New Year, maybe because everyone has like a hangover and it'd be a bunch of weird <laughs> presents. I got you uh, I got you some barf in a, a martini glass. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Dave, why don't you, I want everyone to hear what Dave got me. So Dave joined, uh, is a member of the fan club for They Might Be Giants, which, which you guys should check out because you get a lot of cool stuff. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> just like what Dave's about to give me. So hand Well, yeah, over. the thing I like about the IFC club, it's always kind of renewed around the time of my birthday. So I go, you know what? Some years I treat myself. And uh, this year I'm treating you. Dave has what we call a steady job. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. can afford the IFC. Uh, I don't have a steady job and I can't afford the IFC. Yeah, I wouldn't say I could afford it, but sometimes my wife just gives it to me as a birthday present. Yeah. So I don't know if the listeners can hear. This is a They Might Be Giants rain poncho. <laughs> you hear he that? got me a poncho. And I have to say, well, the rain falls down without my help, I won't be afraid because I'll be in my new They Might Be Giants poncho. Wow. I should write this shit for them, huh? Yeah. It's great. It says instant fan club on it. Are we allowed to even say this stuff? I don't Well, they I don't, I don't get it. They want it to be a secret, but they don't because they want everyone to join it. <laughs> That's fine. Is it? <laughs> no, I, they want, look, everyone go join the instant fan club. It's awesome. Yeah. And you give money directly to the, the people yeah. you love because their record industry is dead. <laughs> I, I think they just mean like the super special kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Well, Some we won't talk about stuff. that. But uh, yeah, I got you a rain poncho. Condoms. Yeah. <laughs> they might be giant size condoms. All right. So let's, okay. let's get down to business. I'm crumpling we got that. up the poncho and throwing it in a bag. And <laughs> that's probably the last I'll see of it for the rest of my life. Yeah. You seem more afraid of the rain than me. So, Hey, I, so I work sometimes as a movie extra and there a TV go. show extra. And I was, he's so handsome. I, 
<laughs> Those are the, that's who gets to be extras is the handsome people. Could you, could you go way far back? <laughs> a little farther. Yeah. <laughs> Behind the, the tree there. That's happened to me. Perfect. But, uh. Well, that's why I'm not a fucking extra. Well, I did one uh, day where we had to walk under a fake rain machine while it was also raining outside. <laughs> and that was horrible. That was a horrible day. But it was kind of fun because we were all so miserable that we all like got along, you know. The real rain wasn't Hollywood enough. I remember telling uh, a, a few weeks ago, I told someone on an extra job, oh, I started a podcast about They Might Be Giants, and they laughed at me. So <laughs> actually, that happened twice. A girl laughed at me, and then a week earlier, a guy laughed at me. Oh, before we continue, Dave has alerted me that he has a very urgent retraction he needs to make uh, from something from the last episode. Uh, so I know, Jordan, you usually surprise me with uh, little tidbits of trivia and information mm-hmm. so this time i'm gonna surprise you okay are you ready this may be the first time in history that we get a retraction of a retraction <laughs> oh shit we'll um, have to play the theme music for that so when i corrected myself as to what the name of the dog was in the looney tunes cartoons that has the perilous relationship with the cat mm-hmm. where powerhouse is playing the dog's tom name jones was the cat the do- <laughs> yeah tom jones the dog's name was mark anthony i said i think the cat's name is sweetums or something like that mm-hmm. jordan the cat's name <laughs> yeah. are you ready for this uh, yeah put your glasses on because you're gonna take them off and say what okay like, like giles <laughs> uh yeah and take a sip of that drink so you don't spit it out okay the cat's name is Pussyfoot. <laughs> <laughs> so Mark Anthony Ooh. and Pussyfoot. Different times. <laughs> this has been Dave's Retractions. Dave, hey, wait. Well, that brings us to this week's episode. So this is, a big, ahead, this is a big deal. Wow. We are, we are up to their second album, Lincoln. Uh, Dave like, was shocked when I said it. There's a lot to talk about. Dave, uh, you seem like you have something on your mind. I think we both agree. Our second favorite album. You know? Do we? Hmm. I We've always, talked about this before. I'm pretty sure you've said yeah. that in the past. I don't know if we should reveal this until we're done or not, with where it ranks, but... There's still some mystery. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's my first favorite. And sometimes, really? So, okay, here's what I think. I think it's their best album, but I think it's my second favorite album. That's what I think. My favorite album is yet to be discussed. Okay. So me and Dave took a long break. We had planned to take a break for New Year's. But then Jordan had to go and get sick. And then I got Because he's sick. not committed. So it turned the break into a, you know, a hiatus. <laughs> one he's could just call not it. dedicated to this podcast. And I think you yeah. should all berate him for that. I didn't get sick. Yeah. Uh, I was ready to go. So in that break, I listened to the album many times. I took a lot of notes and, and thoughts. And I, I was thinking this... And this might just be really comparing it to the first album, but I even think comparing it to later albums, there's something really sweet about the music, like the chord progressions, the instrumentation, the arrangements. There's something, it's like, it's kind of has like a sweet, soulful, melodic sound and a melodic sound in a sweet way that the first album is is a little more um, angular and, you know, for lack of a better term, wacky. Lincoln is like, with the exception of like one or two songs, yeah. um, Lincoln is really like them being like, we are really good songwriters. I was going to say, I think there's a little bit of a leap, more than a little bit of a leap from the first to the yeah. second album. It's kind of amazing. It's a huge thing. And I actually, I've got the Wikipedia, TMBW, has, a, has this Lincoln press sheet uh, that they put out to people. Hey, Wikipedia. Hey, Wikipedia. <laughs> 
Flansburg says, the big difference with Lincoln is that we've done hundreds of shows since that first record. So as instrumentalists and vocal performers and songwriters, we're just that much more developed. Mm. I think we've learned that our arrangements might actually be less fussy than they used to be. We tend to leave the kitchen sink in the kitchen now. That's really accurate, actually. Sometimes a press kit or a a quote will be like, this is our best album yet. And you're you're like, you listen to the album, you're like, all right, fair enough. That's very, very accurate of the sound of the album. It's not, uh, it's, there's not really hope that I get old before I dies. Yeah. You know, crazy things going on. For lack of a better term, it's more mature. It's more mature, which is like the first album has very complex ideas. Yeah. I don't think, lyri- okay, so here's the other thing, and this is going to come up a few times. Lyrically, and this is just my, my opinion, you might disagree, a lot of it is less cryptic. So whereas the first album has... I, you could call it impenetrable lyrics, right? Lincoln has lyrics that are just impenetrable enough, but that you, when you read them a few times, you're like, oh, I get it, right? So like, let's say Anna Ng, for example. Yeah, example. So you're just like, on first listen, you go, huh? Then second listen or, or reading the lyrics, you go, oh, and then and then you're kind of blown away because you get it, right? Lincoln to me has more songs that you get than the first album. So the first album is more puzzles without any answers. The second album yeah. is a puzzle and, and again, they give they, you they, some more clues and answers. <laughs> yeah. So I, again, they, I think they hate their, the idea of their songs being called Both albums are locked. As they've said. And the second one, they give you the key. Yeah. I, I think, um, and again, this, this isn't for every song and, and for sure. And on both, in both albums. But uh, something that I just noticed is that I think a lot of songs on Lincoln resonate hard with people because people do understand them more than some of the songs on the first album, you know? Sometimes you don't want to put that much work into uh, deciphering your favorite songs. Yeah, and but, the, but here's my point. Um, so while, um, so they, they had a period for a while where I think their, their lyrics were too uh, easy to understand. Um, we we'll, can talk about that in a few months or whatever. Like mid-2000s? Yeah. yeah. Um, that's not what I'm saying with Lincoln. I'm saying... They're no less poetic and they're no less brilliant, brilliant. They're, but, they, but they let you in a little but bit they, more. Yeah, but they're yeah. just a little more like... Um, Come along. Oh, I, I get that. I understand what I'm hearing and I really like that. So that's sort of what I wanted to start with. Like the instrumentation for this album, it's just like, it's not so much that it's acoustic-y because there's certainly a lot of synths and stuff. So Dave, this just occurred to me, but what was your first impression when you first heard the album, if you remember first hearing it? I don't think I remember, but do you? What I remember is a lot of the songs from the first and second album were on that sort of um, list of songs that you and Daniel gave me as homework. Daniel. um, For the first show that we went to. So I don't think I had the albums yet. I do know that I probably borrowed uh, then... The early years. Okay, so then the earlier years is a compilation. I don't know who's listed. I don't. I don't know the level. I think we've gotten some response from people who aren't super huge fans. But then the earlier years is a compilation of the first two albums plus bonus tracks. Yeah. Boom. Um, and <laughs> Knowledge that, in your face. <laughs> and that gives you like. I, I didn't even know. look at Wikipedia for that, by the way. Oh, here's your medal. <laughs> um. That gives you sort of like, I don't know, 60, say, tracks to really get obsessed with. Yeah. Um, and all under 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, both those albums are like, let's ballpark at 20 tracks each and then 
what, like another 10, 15 bonus tracks. Yeah. So you guys gave me uh, the list to work with. So that might've been a mixed tape or a mixed CD. Mm-hmm. And I probably borrowed uh, then the earlier years for a while. Uh, who, who wrote this list? Was it me? Was it Daniel? I can't remember. I was certainly in the habit of, of making lists. I was thinking of posting. Oh, we should say we have a Twitter. We have a Twitter now. <laughs> yeah. Don't let's pod just as it sounds. And uh, that is going to be the central hub yeah. of photos and maybe YouTube clips or fun things related to the stuff we talk about on the podcast, stuff maybe just what we think of throughout the week <laughs> that has to do with yeah. the band or music maybe. And, and you know, we'll expand and post other stuff from me and Dave just so that you can keep tabs on us. But, yeah, but I already can think of a lot of things I want to post there. One thing I thought of posting was I did, I have a printout of like a, they might be giants mixtape I made for a girl I had a crush on in high school. Oh. And I'm like describing every song and I put like a picture of Flansburg standing there and it's, it's pretty that, funny. Did that work? Um, it's a long story. All yeah. right, we'll yes get into and no. It time. <laughs> uh, we're kind of all over the map here though. I'll, I'll just say about the, uh, the Twitter. I was off Twitter cause I don't really get much, um, happiness out of it. But I'm dipping my toe I back. I don't believe that. I'm <laughs> Twitter is a wonderful place where everyone is. Um, but I'll I'll dip my toe back in, and uh, I've glanced at the uh, the Don't Let's Pod one a little bit. So this will this will drag me back in a little bit. We really again do appreciate anyone who reaches out to us. So it is yeah, fun I for me to say thank you to the people who are liking our. <laughs> there's not we don't have tons of followers yet because we're new, but there there's been already some nice support. What were you saying before that? My impressions of yeah. What did you think of the album at first? Um, Lincoln was definitely a standout for me. I felt like. The f- again, as we talked about before, the first album is weirder uh, <laughs> and a little less uh, accessible for new fans. The second album, I think, was a little bit more straightforward and had mm-hmm. a lot of just really great pop songs yeah. all in a row. Uh, so that one very quickly started to get into my brain it's- as a favorite Man, I, I don't want to, <laughs> when I was preparing for this and listening to the album, I was like, how am I going to not sound insanely uh, like in love with this? <laughs> I, all I can think to say sometimes is just, it. yeah, because it's a perfect <laughs> musical experience. That's wonderful. And every song is beautiful and wonderful. So, of course, yeah, I, I, um, not that that's very insightful, but there is something extremely appealing about the music on this album. The Again, like I said, it's like the chord progressions or something. Everything's just like so nice <laughs> to hear. And again, I don't know if they've done that ever again. It, it's it's subtle. It's subtle. It's not that their other songs on other albums aren't nice or in that way. But when we get to the songs, I'll point it out. I'll point it out produces a about. warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah, there's a warmth. That's what I meant. There's a warmth to this album, even despite the coldness of the, the synths, and which I want to get into because I actually yeah. find some of the juxtaposition to be a little uh, interesting. So do you want to jump in to the track by track? Or well, for, did you have a, something to say? There's about a couple the, uh, more things about Lincoln. So Linnell mentioned that it was originally going to be called Lincoln Calling. Yeah, yeah. As I a parody that. of yeah. London Calling. Now, I'm that, really glad they didn't do that. That would have been a horrible idea. Yeah, you're right with me here. Um, that would have been very um, weird alley, you know? Yeah. And you don't want to go down that weird yeah. alley. <laughs> you don't know what's down there. This is actually an interesting way that they work is that and I think they a lot of their more enigmatic or ambiguous ideas start this way, where they chip away at it until a piece of it is remaining. But just 
ambiguous enough that you don't know. So that's like, we have Lincoln calling. Well, let's remove the word calling. So suddenly the concept is gone. It's not a parody of anything anymore. Right. It's not a joke about how they're from a small town that nobody yeah, cares about. It's not a, anything. Now it's just some mysterious marker of their upbringing. We actually grew up in a town called Lincoln, but we didn't. But that wasn't the reason. We didn't call it Lincoln <laughs> for sentimental reasons so much as just Lincoln is, has this kind of. I mean, the cover has got this sort of uh, bent America thing about it. You know, it's just basically that, you know, it's the name of a, a quality car and a quality president <laughs> and quality, quality, quality log. Yeah. You know, it's just I mean, everything about it just seemed very iconic and static. And that was the that was the impetus for calling it Lincoln. So what what I want to do here, so there's there's a lot here. So Lincoln has a few running themes in it. And by the way, when I say running themes, they claim they don't do concept albums. I'm not saying they do concept albums. I think I think a lot of it is like unconscious. I think a lot of it is or a lot of it is here's this big batch of songs. Oh, that fits with that. That fits with that. They've definitely copped to doing that, right? Like And they're probably in a certain zone, a certain mindset. Mm-hmm. And there are a few moments on this album. I can think of two right off the top of my head that are very like specific where one song really goes into the next song, like on a very specific level. But the the thing that really got my brain going with this album. So I mentioned him a few weeks ago, but on the old altmusic.tmbg news group, uh, Chris Stangle, he wrote this great thing about Lincoln once. Uh, so Chris Stangle, he used to do all these interpretations that, you know, I thought were kind of uh, you know, e- even if they were a little like strange or or maybe what, you know, some might call it reaching or not, I thought they were far more interesting than what the average person was posting. Um, he connected Lincoln and not just the title, but, you know, sort of the theme to the, the Lincoln robot that was at the debuted at the 64 World's Fair by Walt Disney. Ever since I was a small boy in Illinois, I've had a great personal admiration for Abraham Lincoln. So when we decided to recreate some of the great moments in Mr. Lincoln's life for the World's Fair, we directed all our energies to that task. Now, the 64 World's Fair comes up in the songs, right. not just Anna Ng. Right? Well, well, yeah, and Anna Ng, but then it's touched on in other places. But so I wanted to play Dave a clip of the Lincoln robot and get his <laughs> reaction live on the air. Can you uh, face that? Oh. <laughs> Can you face that sucker closer to me? As a nation of free men, oh my God. we must live through all time <laughs> or die by suicide. Let reverence for the law be breathed Okay. So Dave's face, yeah. I should have taken a photo. I should no. have done like one of those tr- when YouTube people watch trailers, yeah, yeah. <laughs> live reaction. I'll describe it. Yeah, Dave, please. It's a little horrifying. I'm, I'm going to mute it and press play. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's hypnotically horrifying. And now there's how, one. How about that? Yeah, it's hypnotically horrifying. And there's one thing, and I'm going to post this to the Twitter. There is one thing I really wanted to point out, which is that there is a, a child in the audience that looks terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Four minutes, 27 seconds. So Lincoln's talking, the Lincoln robot. <laughs> there's a kid. He's a, really uncomfortable. He's about on the verge of tears. He looks, he's almost like making the Kermit face when Kermit like <laughs> squin- squinches his, his face. And so why am I talking about this? This is a real uh, Valley of the Dolls thing. Mm-hmm. So this premiered at the 1964 World's Fair. I don't think that's a coincidence. 
And I also don't think it's a coincidence that the cover of the album is, you know, microphones pointed at photos of, you know, what is to be assumed long dead people because it's these old black and white photos of who's actually their grandparents, right? Or great grandparents. I know it's Lewis T. Linnell and General Hospital, General Ralph Hospital. Is their names for real? Yeah, I know. And I'm, again, I'm not even looking at the Wikipedia for that. I Love know it. the names of their relatives. <laughs> I've, I, well, so the Lincoln album cover might be my favorite album cover. Um, might be. Uh, it probably is. So I just wanted to read this, this thing that... I like Apollo 18 because <laughs> I like squids. Um, the reason uh, I'm mentioning this, and, and this, so this is kind of paraphrased from a thing that Chris Stengel talked about, which is that the album's themes, and he says, the album is about disrupting the dead and putting words in their mouths. What's important is that TMBG has replaced spots traditionally reserved for your own self-glorifying photo op with dead voiceless versions of themselves. This lets TMBG play ambassadors to the dead, speaking out on behalf of all of our resting forefathers who have to be judged on how the decisions they made in life affected what happened next, not on the blatherings of an animatronic Disney zombie Lincoln. Now, to recreate a truly lifelike image of Lincoln, we use our new medium of audio animatronics. To start with, we were fortunate in being able to secure this life mask of the 16th president. What's happening here is you're, we're connecting ideas here, right, Dave? <laughs> Stay with me, Dave. Um, I'm here. The idea that it's like a lot of They Might Be Giant songs are about death. And the idea that this, this thing premiered at the 64 World's Fair and there's, you know, certain themes going on about just like who will speak for the dead, you know, and, and what putting words in their mouths. And this is going to come up later. In a really... I'm going to say, I don't think I'm quite convinced yet, but okay. I'm sure you have a lot of evidence to back uh, it up. I'm a little... Uh... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Runs out, jumps out the window. <laughs> Let me get that from my car. I think it's more, I mean, to me, it's almost like a, a subliminal kind of like thematic thing because what that what that album cover reads to me as is is this sort of thing. And it makes sense to me. And And by the way, I'm not, when I say this is an, a theme, this is an idea, they, this could have been in the deep recesses of their minds. I'm yeah. not saying they said it out loud to each other. I, I'm saying they looked at this thing that their friend, Brian Dewan, who I think was Linnell's roommate at the time. Brian Dewan is an instrumentalist. He's a songwriter. He's a carpenter. He's a painter. Um, you know, I, I, I like the man. I like what he does. I think he's incredibly creative. He builds his own instruments. I've seen him live. They, he built this thing. They, I don't know if he built it for the album cover or if they, what they told him. I don't know the process. I'd be pretty interested, actually. Um, I'd be pretty interested. And, hmm. But um, it sparked something in their brains, right? So I just want to make clear to the listeners, when I say this is what this is about, this was, it's more about this is what sparked something in their brains, and maybe this is what is exciting about it. And then you have all these other connections. And the album has a very 60s feel, and it has a very colonial right. feel. And I was going to go into the instrumentation, how that uh, bears that out. So okay. there, there's a lot of stuff, you know, kind of... It, it, the album is really, like, unified thematically, but not in some sort of ultra-specific, this song's about this kind of way, but in just kind of, like imagery and tones and feels throughout the album stop me if i'm being too uh, floofy i think that hmm, i think the album is a modern day time capsule i see what you're saying about how it it seems to be retro even when it came out mm -hmm. and it seems to have a built-in nostalgia um theme running through a lot of it 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I that might just be a you know leftover remnant of these songs percolating for a while and having these ideas for a while or yeah. having something to say that's tapping into the past. Yeah, yeah, the, that's actually a good way of saying it. There's a, like a nostalgia feel throughout the album. Maybe yeah, that's why it has such a warm, you know, cozy that's, feeling. That's kind of maybe it's I'm, reminding us of something that we, you know, the uh, elegy. I think is yeah. the, the word. And there's even even the use of instruments. Um, one thing I want to talk about. There's a lot of auto harp on the album there's these kind of classic classical kind of instruments well there's themes of war there's themes of lost love there's themes of mm-hmm. american history yeah in the 60s yeah. and before so, this, I, and I could see it you won me over <laughs> the other thing with the the lincoln robot right i mean look even just hearing lincoln robot their songs become a robot so to me yeah. become a robot is about that here's hoping you don't become a robot is like it's almost like a warning. Here's hoping you don't become like the Lincoln animatronic, just like soullessly. God forbid. No, I, I genuinely think that there's these songs come from the same place, right? But do you think that's about not becoming like a politician or <laughs> about becoming... <laughs> well, look, obviously that song is, is pretty wide open. But yeah. to, to me, it's like you could play... I mean, be- the idea of a robot. You could play become a robot over the, that footage of that I showed you and it would, it would really right. line up, right? And then like Linnell sure. has his House of Mayors thing where it's the House of Mayors song where he talks about all the wax mayors yeah. uh, speaking like animatronically and the song really makes pains to show, to kind of like go into detail about how... Well, it's almost, it's ironic saying like how full of life they are. The effect is so real that it's chilling to watch as the creaking automata lurch into action and act out historical deeds and make speeches, sign legislation and turn their heads and blink their eyes. And the whole thing with puppet heads and I think they're obsessed with things that shouldn't be alive and act like they are alive. Mm-hmm. Exactly. During our exhaustive research into Lincoln's life, we studied his mannerisms, his gestures, and even his voice characteristics to create a faithful likeness of this honored man. The final result is so lifelike that you might find it hard to believe. So when you visit the fair, be sure and stop by the state of Illinois Pavilion and spend a few moments with this great man. So one other thing about this Lincoln stuff I've been telling you about with the, with the idea of the Walt Disney zombie. Um, so in creative writing class at SVA, uh, I wrote a poem. <laughs> I'm like so scared to show this to Dave because Dave will judge me. Oh, I love hearing college poetry. College poetry. I'm going to post this to the Twitter because it's hilarious. But I... Uh, I wrote a poem about this, these Lincoln theories. I did not read this to my class uh, because I think I was too embarrassed. But at one point I say, Lincoln, Lincoln, I've been thinking, how the hell are you plugged in through the back of your head or the heel of your shoe? Is that even right to do? So you think about that. I give it a B plus. <laughs> yeah. And then I mentioned the album cover at the end. So I say, those from the past are here under protest. A press conference shall be held and a speech shall be made. And the speech shall be no words at all. No words and no flapping wet tongues. And it's hard not to breathe when the world's unfair. That's a world's fair pun. Yeah, I got it. No more misrepresentation through artificial rejuvenation. <laughs> hmm. Which is also it has like a, a nice ring to colonial it. pun there. Yeah, so... This is something I've thought about a lot and I've been thinking about. And again, one of the, like, like kind of was inspired by Chris Stengel's approach to it. Look, Dave, the poem, <laughs> just indulge me, all right? Oh, I thought this whole thing was indulging you. 
So this takes us right into Anna Ng. Make a hole with a gun perpendicular to the name of this town in a desktop globe. Exit wound in a foreign nation showing the home of the one this was written for. My apartment looks upside down from there. Water spirals the wrong way out the sink. So wow. Uh, <laughs> Good song. We, yeah. I like it. Um, where to begin here? So this song has a very specific time and place, right? Yes. So it's the 64 World's Fair. There's a lot about the 64 World's Fair to talk about, and there's a lot that connects with this song. But I wanted to talk about the personal aspect of it for me first. So me and Dave live in Queens. We live right near Flushing, Queens. Yeah. Literally walking distance. And we've um, both... Uh been to the 64 World's Fair site. Yeah, so the 64 World's Fair site, um, it's Flushing Meadows Park, and they filmed the Don't Let's Start video there. Also plays a big part in Men in Black, for you Men in Black people. So they filmed the Don't Let's Start video in the the New York State Pavilion, uh, you know, and that's next to those two, like, towers, like, lookout towers or whatever you call them, yep. spaceships. <laughs> um, yeah. So one thing I'll post to the Twitter is I, I went there when I was like 16 and dressed like Linnell in the Don't Let's Start video oh boy. in all in black with like a, I don't think I had a black turtleneck, but I, I had a black shirt and black pants and I jumped around and took, had my mom take photos of me. You weren't allowed inside of it. It was closed off. Dave is judging me very harshly right now. What makes you think that? Uh, the way you've sucked in your cheeks. <laughs> um, I'll show I, you. I think I have what's uh, the opposite of a poker face. See, here's the photos. I'm showing Dave the photos yeah. of me. I took those photos from outside the gate. There's me dancing when I was like 15, dancing outside of it. Is that the last time you ever danced? Uh, that is the last time I danced. Um, I think there was no a New Year's watching. where we all danced together one time or a Halloween. But uh, anyway. Slow danced? So the thing about the... 64 World's Fair site is, you know, it makes me feel very warm inside because it's, it's, they might be giants related. Right. And I went to Forest Hills High School and it was outside the window of Forest Hills High School of most of my classes there yeah. because it's basically, there's a, there's my high school, then there's a lake and then there's the, where the don't let start videos filmed. Right. So I would just sit in class, uh, you know, I was, high school was really peak obsessed with They Might Be Giants for me, probably. Maybe junior high, actually. But high school was still going very strong, though I started to get into a couple other bands around then, like XTC and, you know, Violent Femmes. But I would sit in my class and just stare at the, that site and just think about They Might Be Giants. Of what dreams may come. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really, um, it was real strangely calming. I mean, it was almost like cognitive behavioral therapy. Like high school is very anxious time for me. Like we were really overloaded with, with homework. You were like work. Lenny at the end of Mice and Men where <laughs> just, they just, say, just, look, just at look at the 64 World's Fair location yeah. shoot, Jordan. Yeah. Just keep looking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I really would. So I wanted to get that out of the way before I go into the more documentarian aspect of it. But um, something, you know, really central to Anna Ng, uh, is the 64 World's Fair site. And it's not mentioned in the song, but as relevant to the song as any lyric is the Unisphere. Here on this very site is to be erected, they're doing it at the moment, the symbol of the theme of the New York World's Fair, the Unisphere, being built 
by United States Steel. The central nexus of the the World's Fair in Flushing Meadows, and this is still there, and I still go there. Yeah. Me and my girlfriend will walk our dog there. One time our dog destroyed a kid's uh, <laughs> soccer ball or whatever what that dick. they were. It was, and we handed them, we handed the dad a twenty dollar bill and walked away in shame. But that, so huh. we actually don't take our dog there <laughs> much more. Now your dog's been banned. Yeah, she's, there's a photo of her up. Yeah, on the atmosphere. Do not let this dog play soccer. It's like a dystopian future, and there's like a hologram of her like, <laughs> floating around it. So the, the patrol robots. <laughs> and so again, I want to give credit where credit's due. What really got me thinking about this years ago was was Chris Stangle on the the news group who posted a really lengthy Anna Ng post that really. And by the way, I want to point out he did this before Wikipedia, so he actually bought books and collected things about the '64 World's Fair. Ugh, books. Yeah, I know. So that he could you know, summarize things and talk about Anne Ng. So I just wanted to read one or two little parts from it that really sums it up. So what he, what he pointed out to everyone in terms of Anna Ng, the two central themes of the fair, the visual centerpiece was the Unisphere, a 12-story steel globe. The slogan for the expo was man in a shrinking globe, but that's not all. The whole slogan was man in a shrinking globe in an expanding universe. A spectacular piece of open stainless steel sculpture Unisphere is dedicated to man's aspirations towards peace through mutual understanding and symbolizes his achievements in an expanding universe. It's a small world, the shrinking globe, the unisphere, the desktop globe, but she's a small girl after all. And how are you going to find her even if it is a small world when the hiding places just keep increasing, expanding universe? So... Yeah, I dig. So the, that, you know, starting the song with a reference to shooting a hole in a desktop globe, Yeah. then, you know, you could Google World's Fair and see this giant globe, right? And then just connecting that with the lines, it's a small world. There's so much to go into with this song. Dave, somebody stop me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jordan. Dave, before I get into the the nitty gritty, more of the nitty gritty of the World's Fair, just as a song, you know, what are are your thoughts about the song? Because I don't want to hog the mic. I think it's romantic. I think it's a very romantic song that makes me believe that everybody has a soulmate. But even if you never meet the soulmate, maybe you grow especially old if you die. never meet the soulmate. <laughs> and so you you think so your view of the song is that that's enough. My view of the song is that all the other stuff that's thrown in is kind of distractions that get in the way of what your actual um, destiny is. So, you know, they're talking about, okay, the World's Fair who had been there kind of being a day late and a dollar short. It's like mm. all, all these things get in the way of what the main objective should be. Like maybe if you weren't distracted by the grand uh, ideas of the World's Fair, you would have been yeah. focused on what was going to be important to your destiny, which is finding this one person that means something to you. 650 acres and over 200 exhibitors. Here is being built the biggest, most fascinating show ever created by man. Already there is being built a fantasy of color and shapes that promise one of the most exciting events of our time. Or if your person is halfway across the globe, what are the steps you can do even if you don't know that's what you need to do, what are the steps yeah. you can do to fulfill your destiny? Interesting. See, I, I, I feel like I have some contradicting ideas there. 
I mean, well, that's what we call podcast dynamite. The, the idea, the idea of the World's Fair is like that would be the one time when everyone from around the world converges, right? Right. Into this one thing, and that also is kind of what the Unisphere is like, because you have all these, um, these like steel beams kind of bending and converging to points, right? So it's like the narrator in the song that would be the time when he would meet this the soulmate that lives right. on the other side of the world and he just misses her in the song. Right. And because he didn't have his eyes on the this, prize. This is like devastatingly sad to, to talk yeah. about. Still romantic. And, and when, yeah, oh, sure, sure. I mean, no one said romance is like not devastating. Not tragic or, you know. Um, I believe it, uh, Romeo and Juliet figured uh, that out. A little person <laughs> named Mr. Romeo uh, Shakespeare. I believe Shakespeare said that. Um, so, you know, this song definitely used to, uh, trip me up <laughs> when I was younger and well, like this and uh we talk about she's an angel she's and an the angel. other one being that kind of thing of how is this possible how can I even do this how can I meet someone like this uh is there a story behind Anna Ng or is it just some like made up it's just a made up song yeah. the lyrics are are really they tend to really stick in, in your head thanks well, well that's good to hear the majestic presence it's almost like a satire on all that crystal stuff well, it's a sincere song, basically. Anning is covering a lot of ground in in like freaking two and a half minutes or whatever, right? Um, not counting the, the long fade out. The lyrics are just cryptic and clear enough to kind of appeal to everyone. So like even let's say the, the kind of They Might Be Giants fan that isn't like me, that isn't obsessing about all the lyrics, they can listen to Anna Ng a few times and grok its meaning. It's no less dense and poetic, but it's, it is making itself... I mean, look, maybe Linnell doesn't even know which songs of his make themselves clear, right? Maybe because sometimes you don't know. I've certainly made things that I think is obvious and, and other people don't get it or vice versa, right? But I, I think Anna Ng is, is sort of an exceptional song in, in the way that it's just riddled with connections and thematic imagery and, and it's very cinematic. It's very accessible too for the for the even just the even like the MTV VJ who's just like, what's with this song? You know? Yeah. Like they um they can understand it even. Yeah, well, I mean, even if you just take the chorus alone at face value, it's about pe- two people that have not found love. Yeah, the the chorus line where we're getting old, <laughs> those three words are, you know, anyone can kind of see the... And haven't the, met yet. <laughs> the sadness and that, the wistfulness. Dave, I am holding a collection of Pogo comic strips because I, I am a nerd. Um Partly because of they might, uh, well, mainly because of they might be giants. Um, I got way into Pogo um, like 15 years ago. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I was really talking up Pogo a lot for a while. You were going to get a Pogo tattoo. No, no. What we said, what I had said was if I were to ever get a tattoo, which I would never do uh, because I'm a, a I'm a fun guy, uh, it, Pogo would be, our friend Sam had said to me, you should get a pogo tattoo if you were to ever get one. And I thought that was a funny idea. We were both going to get tattoos. You were going to get pogo and I was going to get Felix the cat. <laughs> no, we weren't. I was never, I know myself, 
I would never get one. I'm just kind of fucking with Jordan uh, okay. in case the audience didn't get that. But our, our friend Sam. who You I, said you were going to get a giant back tattoo <laughs> and a tramp stamp. So in Pogo. so uh, With Walt Kelly's face. So Fantagraphics put out these great Pogo collections that are in order. So in volume three, and Dave, I'm going to turn to the page. And so this is not Wikipedia. This is a real book I'm holding people. Wait, wait, wait. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't click on anything. Can so. you make it bigger by stretching it? <laughs> yeah, don't. I can't see it. No, it's priceless. <laughs> There's a cartoon I read as a kid in which character shoots a gun through a globe to find out where the other side of the world is. So that was sort of the beginning. The name Ang seems to be a Vietnamese name. There's about three pages of them in the Manhattan phone book. So if you look at the globe and find Vietnam, you'll see that the opposite side of the world from Vietnam is Peru. So the song presumably is about somebody in Peru writing about someone in Vietnam. But I didn't know that when I wrote it. There it is, everybody. So Sunday, August 9th, 1953, has the strip where a character, it's Churchy LaFemme, the turtle. It's <laughs> a, a funny comic look. Uh, I love it's that good. name um, for the Simpsons reference. He pulls, he pulls out a gun, and while well, they're trying to figure out where a friend of theirs, Albert the Alligator. Are you sure his name's not Pussyfoot? Yeah. Albert the Alligator is taking a trip, and they're trying to figure out where he's, how he's going to get to China. So Churchill Femme takes out a revolver and shoots it, which I remember Linnell said was he thought was quite shocking to see in a comic strip a character pull out a giant gun out of nowhere. And, you know, Pogo says, Churchy, how could you? You drilled a bullseye clean through the mortal garden of George's heart. I love that. So Walt Kelly, the strange comic strip. Walt Kelly is such a freaking genius. Um, they might be giants have covered a few of his songs. Yeah, they they yeah. covered lines upon a tranquil brow and whence that wince. Have you ever wondering the ways of the morn? Ought to save just a bit, just a drop in the horn to pour in the evening or late afternoon or during the night when we're shining. He might be a little into, uh, too intellectual, even for me. Yeah, the he gets I, a little. Uh, I up, actually up obtuse at times. These books have some footnotes. I would almost <laughs> want more because yeah. there's a lot. So. What Linnell has said he takes from Walt Kelly inspirationally is is there's just so much wordplay. There's so many puns. Yeah, I could see that. They fly out fast and, and just clever. constant. It's He's it's, the Oscar Wilde of the funny pages. It seems like, I mean, maybe it was, I wouldn't assume it was effortless, but just the way he writes it just poured out of him. And he's just a great cartoonist. He's I mean, a really good artist. He's, he actually animated some of Dumbo. He animated. The, oh damn! He animated the tent silhouettes in Dumbo when the clowns. You remember that? Scene? Yeah. No, I, I love Dumbo. That's Walt Kelly, apparently. You don't so, got a Dumbo splain to me. <laughs> so um, he took inspiration from this, and I also think, again, this to me—not that it's the '60s, but this ties into the American history thing. Taking like yeah. a, a really yeah. big thing from a, a comic strip from the '50s that was very American comic strip. Um, it deals with American issues. This volume really deals a lot with Joseph McCarthy, right, right, right. The communist crap. Yeah. So it, again, that's what I mean. Is there's a lot of thematic stuff that just all ties together. So there's a black and white version of this strip on the Wikipedia, but I posted on our Twitter today a oh, photo of me holding the, the color version from the book just to show folks you won't get that anywhere else just to show that at I, don't let's pod yeah just to show i have the book because i'm you know I'm, i i love pogo pogo is really really good everyone check out pogo if you like you know kind of funny but also kind of densely worded <laughs> fun 
comic strips. Uh, and if you and the album Songs of the Pogo that Walt Kelly made is it, it John Linnell said it, it's probably his biggest influence, which if you hear it, you can totally see why. Oh, the Parsons were stepping their snappers while the parsley was parsing the peas. And parsing a sentence from handle to hand was a hornet to hunt with the bees. The turnips were passing the time of the day in the night of the moon on the porch. With the shade from the shadows so short, fully stripped that the sky was screeched in the scorch. So that's the pogo of it of it all. <laughs> and that, that's gonna be our new sign-off, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, did you wanna say anything? Before I go more into like the lyrical references and the setting of the '64 World's Fair, do you want to say anything musically about the song or any 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 you know what did, what were you thinking about the the way that just the song is? The only thing I'll say musically about it, I know that uh, later on they were saying it shouldn't have been recorded as fast. Now there's this weird thing when you're when you're in a band and you're approaching your 90s like we are that when you when you make decisions about changing the tempo on songs, people might think that you're. You're actually slowly dying. When in fact you're just trying to improve your music. But we can't we can't go back in time and, and fix it. So we just play it slower and then and then people realize we're dying. So uh, so we at this next song ask the musical question, are we simply playing it at the appropriate tempo? Or slowly dying before your eyes? Or both. I, I think it's the perfect tempo on the album. I, I think it has that sense of urgency and kind of like starting an album and it's a little bit punk rock. Mm -hmm. um, when they play it live... Slightly I, too fast. They, I, as, yeah. That's per what they say. I, to me, it always felt right because that's all we knew. Yeah. No, I, I think it needs that energy to it. Um, and when they play it live at a slightly slower tempo, it's still great. Sometimes a it, lot slower. Yeah, it's just a, like on the severe tire damage, for example. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a very different feel, and it doesn't have that urgency of having to find your uh, soulmate with a countdown. Yeah, <laughs> I like that's a good point. The urgency feels right for the song. Um, the only, I guess, the only thing maybe they just think it's a little too goofy sounding with the way the guitar, you know, the instrumentation, like dan dan dan. Maybe they just think it's too fast because it makes it sound comical. I don't think so. I think it sounds soulful and so lyrically. I was about to say the best verse, but I've re looking at the lyrics. I, I really think all the verses are really magical. <laughs> Again, I'm like super like hard on my sleeve about this album i just love everything well also it. i mean it's not just you jordan like this is <laughs> probably a top three song for everybody i mean it's you know yeah. this and birdhousing your soul and, and uh, mr excitement i think yeah yeah <laughs> so um so look the second verse all alone at the 64 world fair 80 dolls yelling small girl after all who was at the DuPont pavilion why was the all alone at the 64 old spare so 80 dolls yelling small girl after all to me when i was younger this was like a monumental lyric the monumental lyric got me high um <laughs> the idea that you're mishearing another song in your song yeah because your mind is somewhere else because your mind is thinking about something else is a, one of my favorite things in all lyrics. Uh, you seem a little confused, Dave. So the, the way I... <laughs> That's just my face. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking. Um, 
yeah, just the idea that he's he's thinking about meeting this girl, right? Right. You know, he's saying like, why was the bench still warm? Who'd been there? Because he's, you know, that that to me establishes as much as what you know. Again, it's lyrics, so it's not like a it's not like a novel, so it's kind of funny to say it establishes as if it's so concrete. But th- this song is pretty concrete in terms of the, like I said, the time and place. He's thinking about the girl. So when he, he hears in the distance, or maybe he's on the, the ride, <laughs> right? Pepsi-Cola presents Walt Disney's It's a Small World. Our exhibit called It's a Small World is a salute to the United Nations Children's Fund, a worldwide organization that is working for a better tomorrow by helping the children of today. Our musical fantasy features the songs and dances of youngsters from more than 100 nations, each singing in his own native language. So either he hears it in the distance, which I guess feels right for the song, and because he's thinking about this girl that he's imagining, he he mishears the the line like that. That's so sad. It's so dreamlike, and it's it's very um, full of meaning to me. I don't know, Dave. Do you have any thoughts, or are you just kind of like? entertained by my uh, uh i am entertained i'm always entertained by you buddy but i think I'm juggling right now i think um 80 dolls saying anything <laughs> oh so you're tying it more <laughs> to the, the disney lincoln thing see i never that's funny i certainly can see the creep factor but to me it was always more sad it was always more that it's like the world, you know, and it's like you can't stop thinking about something. By the like, I can't yeah. stop thinking about they might be giants since we started this podcast. I was up till 6.30 a.m. last night thinking about severe tire damage and imagining talking to you about it. I feel really bad for you. This is how my brain is going w- since we started this podcast, and it's kind of a living nightmare. So... <laughs> um, but so when you can't stop thinking about something, you you hear it everywhere. And not, it's not just that. It's that the verse right after it, when the storm tangled up the wire and it, it kind of distorted the um, the message coming from the, the horn on the pole, right? Yeah. So the, the, the theme of just not hearing something right yeah. is throughout the song. That's why it says the edge of hearing. The edge of hearing is when you barely hear something, right? Yeah. So to me, it all connects to that. And they changed this for severe tire damage, which is a freak. This is an album I'm really excited to talk about with you one day. Severe tire damage. Yeah, so yeah. The, the original version of Anna Ng for the bridge, Flansburg just did made a, a crackling noise, right? And I didn't think about it until this week that it's like, that's like the tangled wire horn. It's like the message not getting through, right? And they, of course, they changed that for severe tire damage to like some overdubbed thing of Landsberg saying, I don't want the world. Which uh, again, I can't wait to talk about that album because I I have a lot of issues with that album (laughs) or compilation or whatever the hell it is. I don't even know what it is. But so the idea of, of things being out of reach, out of you can't hear it, things are out of reach, the girl of your dreams is out of reach or the person of your dreams is out of reach. Um, and at the 64 World's Fair, when everyone's celebrating and unifying and coming together, nothing feels more um, alienated and alone from everything than this narrator. This is this is why this song is so freaking great, right? Yeah. But not just that, but then you get some of their wit like and wit and clever stuff, like the Walt Kelly-ish kind of vibe where, you know, when for the bridge he mentions seeing it on a bridge, yeah. <laughs> bridge of the song, which, you know, is it's a pretty gentle joke as far as it goes, but it just just the idea it's a that softball. just the idea that you're um 
they're, they throw in so much, <laughs> you know? And I remember hearing years ago, someone took a photo or something, or someone posted to the old mailing list or news group being like, I, I drove under a bridge and someone had spray painted, I don't want the world, I just want your half, which I, I think is something fans did more than once. I don't know if that's like an urban legend or not, yeah. but I think that's kind of a beautiful thing. When I was driving once I saw this painted on a bridge. I don't want the world. I yeah, I mean, I love the woman that uh, calls in from work. Yeah, so it's sort of like with Absolutely Bill's Mood. They, something they do a lot is they call up <laughs> <laughs> unsuspecting friends of theirs and get them to record stuff for their album. I think that moment is had the biggest impact for me of hearing this. Uh, I don't know how intentional it was. To me, it sounds like... Sexy one. Uh, uh, well, your mileage Femme fatale, may vary. if you will. Your mileage may vary. To me, she sounds like uh, a woman that's tired. And again, this might just be because she's at work. John, why are you making me do that? (laughs) But I don't think they would have put it in the song if it wasn't anything less than what they had intended for it to sound like. So she sounds like someone, and I'm sure fans also know that this line that she's saying has come from an argument they were having or a discussion. I don't know if it was an argument about uh, money. Oh, I think it was an argument. Um, That sounds like something you'd say in an argument. Uh, yeah, you think he's just like screaming that well, over the phone? So what's, what's you know, the thing about that, I wanted to, there's so much to say. I wanted to yeah. talk about that line. Sorry, folks. This is a big one. This is a big one. This is a big, we got a big one to, to get out. <laughs> We're going to be in here a while. But uh, <laughs> You might want to use the next one. Uh, <laughs> great. Oh, uh, Dave disapproves. No, I'm just saying. I th- well, so the original lyric wasn't I don't want the world, I okay. just want your half. Because if you listen to the original demo, the Dial-A-Song demo, Flansburg says, I don't want everything. Which to me, oh. <laughs> accurate, accurately uh, portrays what someone could say in, an, as they say, an argument about money. Yeah, uh, which is so interesting to me. You'd think it would, they just go fifty-fifty, right? I mean, they're. Yeah. <laughs> we don't want to get into this. I'm sure they've dealt. I'm sure they're way beyond it. But that's. I think it's funny that they use that and put it in a song. Because to me, that means like, oh, it. At least they gave us this, right. this great, this like iconic line that is, what you know, a stand and a song full of standout lyrics. It's like a huge. Um, meaningful line. Well, yeah, because especially the intentional choice of having the female voice say it, um, maybe that's Anna Ng, maybe that's someone who was never uh, discovered, maybe that was the person that was supposed to be their soulmate. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So the other lyric uh, about the DuPont Pavilion, uh, Dave, why don't you tell me (laughs) what the the DuPont company is or what the DuPont Pavilion was? Uh, They make plastic. Yeah, so they had a show at the 64 World's Fair called The Wonderful World of Chemistry. DuPont will have two theaters and an exhibit area where fairgoers will see better things for better living through chemistry. Every day that we are living is such a thrill that we can't stay nonchalant. Better things for better living are coming still. That's the promise of DuPont. Linnell is making like a kind of a 
sub layer pun because you know about like romantic chemistry, right? Uh-huh. And the thing is, it's like a it's like a lesser writer or maybe like a slightly lesser writer because you'd still have this really great idea for a song would say would point out the wonderful world of chemistry like in the lyric or something you know like they'd be like oh i th- i had this cool connection i'm going to say it but linnell like withholds it so you'd have to either do the research or just you know trust the that the the narrative ideas in the song all kind of fit together but so that's like another thing i love about it is that he it's like a pun like they might be trying they don't just they don't just have puns in a literal sense but the puns are kind of like throughout the tapestry of the the song like under everything so just finishing up with the lyrics uh though honestly who could ever really finish up the lyrics with this song because it's just it's endlessly rewarding but you know every it sticks like a broken record everything sticks like a broken record and he kind of sings it in the exact same way as if it's a record skipping which again like lends itself to a lot of thematic things the idea of this thing repeating and never resolving it's such a self-aware song yeah, and then that having it fade out at the end is part of that. When you fade out in a song, I mean, you could just do it for no reason. I think it's best for songs that thematically have a kind of idea that they're it's just endless, right? A repeating it's, motif. It's just never going to resolve. I agree. You know, it's and it's like for maybe like a punk song that's just like it's about this fuck thing and then it ends and it's kind of a statement, you know, and it's certainly most of their songs end like that. But for Anna Ng to fade out, and again, with a lot of their songs don't fade out, it was like a very important choice, you know? Yeah. One thing musically I wanted to talk about, uh, the scatting. Dave, do you even know what I'm talking no, about? No, what's The scatting? scatting? There's Where? weird vocal tics in the last verse of the song, and I once had like a huge argument with a few fans online because they claimed that they were not there. Okay, let's have the argument now. Okay, the, at the end of the song, you hear Linnell making weird vocal noises way in the background, bouncing around the, the stereo. Wow, I've never heard that. I'll play the clip for Dave now, and I'll see if I can get him to hear it. Yeah, please. Everything sticks like a broken record. Everything sticks until it goes away. And the truth is we don't know anything. It's not scatting. It's like, it's just little like outbursts. (laughs) What would you, okay, you did, that's a good word for it. Outbursts. It's outbursts repeating like the last syllable of each thing that he's saying. Not really the syllable. No, I wouldn't say that because it's, it's like, they don't need me here. (laughs) It's kind of like hard to to imitate. Um, I always thought it was just. I feel like we're crapping all over this beautiful (laughs) arrangement they have. I always thought it was just the last syllable repeated of. No, it's let's the listen line. again. Yeah, it's like, bro. But, but. No, he's saying bro, kin, wreck. <laughs> it's all right. So it's the first syllable of every line. It goes where the world goes by, like even and during that line, he's going. Bah, bah. <laughs> well, folks, then I have no leg to stand on. My so my point, I disagree with Dave. I don't think he's. I don't think it connects to the the sounds of the words that the the main vocal is doing. The word broken definitely did though. Yeah, I'll give you that. How about that? I'll give you that. We're shaking hands, everyone. (laughs) Has no one ever spoken about this part of the song? It's weird. To me, this is like an un... It's a very weird, specific decision. Yeah, that's so that's what um, interests me about it. And 
I try to do this in, in the music that I make is think of those weird things that like, I don't think anyone's done this, you know? Yeah. What was it like in the studio? And they're just like, oh, this needs something, yeah. right? And it's like, what does this need? I can't think of an example of when I've done that in a song. <laughs> it's it's too specific and esoteric. Yeah. So it's just, it's like this, this needs some sort of a vocal feeling that isn't a word and it's not a harmony, right? It's, they're not harmonies. Yeah. They're almost percussive. It's kind of almost like having like a bongo go like, boom, boom, you know, but it's his voice and he's going like, (laughs) and I I feel like it does uh, highlight the theme of the edge of hearing theme that there's like voices just out of reach that you can't hear. By the way, that's the first time I've thought of that idea. (laughs) So I, I love that. And then. I mentioned it before, but the auto harp in this song really classes the joint up, <laughs> doesn't it? I mean, it does for the whole, it's in the album a few times. I always thought the auto harp was like an underrated, a lot of people for the song talk about the guitar and the, the heavy gate effect on the guitar for all you music gearheads out there. It's that you don't hear the guitar trail off after a chord. So instead of, yeah. it's... <laughs> so that, that that kind of becomes like a big thing about their sound and it's in a couple other songs on this album but in a more subtle way to do that in real life you would have to mute uh, the chord incredibly quickly it's almost impossible it's almost do. it's very because you would have hard. some kind of uh, crackle or decay to the uh, chord if you did in real life mm-hmm. it, it's pretty much something you can only do in a studio effect yeah and like I wonder if you can even thematically connect that like the, the guitar isn't decaying it's just kind of like stopping dead but but then the, the auto harp kind of is is to me makes the song that's the romantic part yeah it makes the song romantic and kind of bigger than just like a, a pop band right or a rock band it's sort of bigger than the two of them so you have the frustration of the abrupt chords mixed with the romance of the auto the, harp. the auto harp yeah i mean that's and like that's love people that's love so that's good night <laughs> you'll be one of the 70 million perhaps 80 million visitors to see this one of the most spectacular shows of all time and now until april 22nd 1964 so long so, wow, we talked a lot about Anna Ng. And, yeah. and guys, that was only part one. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in next week for part next two of Anna Ng. We're going to talk about the more about the last verse in Anna Ng, and we're going to talk about the yeah. different... This is one note I really wanted to get into. This is what we're going to do. Or Dave, why don't you try to... Here's the plan, people. <laughs> we're going to dive into the rest of Lincoln. Again, probably another two-parter. Another, yeah. We're going to have probably two more parts. Uh, for the, the next episode and the episode after that. But for right now, guys, this is exciting. We've had a lot of uh, emails since the last episode. We have enough, uh, more than enough, for another new letterbox section. I never know what you find when you open up your letterbox. Yeah, you guys have been great. We've got a couple emails here. And by the way, we encourage everyone to keep emailing us. We love getting feedback. If you have questions, if you have comments, anything at all, you can email us at don't let's start podcast at gmail.com and we read everything we respond to some uh and we'll probably read a lot of stuff on air yeah and then our twitter also is don't let's pod so you know uh, we prefer email for the direct uh communication but if you want to give us a follow give us a like 
And if you want to guarantee that we'll mention you on air, probably just email us a question. Yeah, that is the best way. So uh, one thing we can we could do right off the bat is we talked uh, at length about our friend Daniel performing for his class. He performed a violent femme song. He actually emailed us uh, uh, adding to that. He also performed First Kiss by They Might Be Giants. It's a strange choice. It's a strange choice, but I could see Daniel doing that. And yeah. I want to I want to give a shout out. Daniel just started doing something really cool on Twitter, which is that he's covering a song every day and it's going to be the artist's birthdays of the song he's covering that's an ambitious project and you can see those i think every day this year at his twitter handle which is at daniel so loud spelled just like it sounds as our uh twitter i already liked some of his things you you know you could even see that but uh, well, you know, we're, Daniel's going to be a guest on this show uh, hopefully soon, and he really is is part of our. He's kind of our Bill Krause, I would say. <laughs> and you did say, yeah, I did say <laughs> it. Um, but no, he's he's given let's us, give him another. Uh, he's given us a lot of ideas for the podcast. He's the Wonder Woman between uh, Jordan Superman and my Batman. <laughs> and um, so he's doing this cool thing on Twitter. So I want to give him a shout out because he'll. Pro- I, I imagine he'll get to a They Might Be Giant song or two. Maybe yeah, two because there's two of them. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm actually really looking forward to what he does with that. So th- we got this really cool email um, from someone outside of the country. What? And she says, hey, Dave. Hey, Jordan. I just wanted to let you know how much I enjoy your podcast. I've been listening to TMBG for 27 years on and off. Sorry, Johns. When I started, my English was okay, but obviously... Not having grown up in the States, I didn't get most of the pop culture references. And now I have your podcast to fill those gaps. Uh, a long, long trailer is a movie. So I thought <laughs> yeah. I never gave that um, aspect to their lyrics much thought. But yeah, if you a lot of their lyrics are very American references. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I'm trying to say is we're doing God's work here. Yeah, you know, we can we can shoot a pistol through a globe and go to where she lives and <laughs> uh, I'm and say thank you because. That is, that's really, you know, it really is nice to hear that someone's getting something out of this. Cause I, I always assume everyone listening is a massive fan who knows more than me. Right. I, Definitely more than me. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's awesome. And I, it really made my day. To and, um, that. and by the way, at the end, she, she said, might I suggest opening a Twitter account so people can share the what? love. Um, that was so, part of our inspiration. So that was part of the reason for that. And uh, lots of love from Hamburg, from Ina. And you know what? Lo- lots of love back at you from America, from Dave and Jordan. We will do anything anyone tells us to do. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll just do it. So just email us something So thank to you, do, Ina. And we'll do it. Then there's one saying, confirm your email address. Yeah. <laughs> then there's welcome to Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> you want to read that one, Dave? Yeah, yeah let's do that. No. <laughs> So then we got a really exciting email from someone named Britt Barnes, who says we can use her name. So we just did. Um, She's just really gave us a great response. First, she asked if we can mention what the next episode we're going to cover is going to be. And I, I will tell you listeners, if you feel the same way, we generally have a plan. But we also sometimes will be spontaneous. So, like, for example, yeah. our Christmas episode was Dave's idea at the last second. Yeah. And I thank him for that because it was You're really welcome. fun. But before he came over, we were going to do something else. <laughs> and I don't even Who remember knows? what it was. But so so we'll generally know the general plan, not to give away the game, yo, but we're going to go through the albums. But 
we're, we're going to try to do in between album and right. they might be multi-parters. We're going to try to do a, something a little more, not as dense, maybe a little more conversational, uh, maybe go through some of the rare songs. And the in-between episodes, I think, will be somewhat chronological also. Besides the Christmas album, which made sense because it was Christmas, God damn it. There's a <laughs> there there's logic to behind what to we're, our logic. There's <laughs> I was going to say there's a method to our madness, but Dave one up to me by saying there's logic to our flogic. And uh, anyone who can, if any fans out there want to put that on a t-shirt for us, I'll appreciate that. But yeah, so we might go out of chronological if something special happens or, or maybe if there's breaking news, you know, like Flansburg climbs Mount Everest, we'll do, <laughs> we'll do an episode about it. But other than that, yeah, look, we're going chronologically. We're not trying to break the mold too crazy. But in between the albums, we're going to have, I'd like it to be kind of a surprise, you know, in between the albums, something that you're not expecting, just so it's not too predictable. And a little break from the dense, dense, monotony of. (laughs) Yeah. Something a little looser that I guess poor Jordan doesn't have to do so much research. These album ones are back breaking. I ain't doing shit. (laughs) It's true. Um, No, it's not true. But uh, I got a life. So uh, Britt also had a good point. She said, for some reason, I always correlated New York City, the song, as a Christmassy type song, probably the walking through the blizzards part and the use of chimes. Hmm. I, I really agree with that, actually. That is a Christmas song. And we didn't mention it because I guess it's not a blatantly Christmas song, but it, it feels Christmassy. The bells and the the kind of just the the kind of pleasing melody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, I could see it. But uh, as a New Yorker, I'll also point out that we have very bad snow, uh, not just at Christmas time. That could be a Valentine's Day song. That's true. That could be Valentine's Day. Some years it's a friggin' April shower song. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, the, the, the chimes. Oh, the chimes. Oh, the chimes. The chimes. Is that from a movie? The chimes. No, I'm The chimes, they are changing. <laughs> um, but anyway, Brit... Also uh, had some some deep cut references already, so I, our, our mythology is growing, and it was really cool to read an email that references back what we just said. Yeah, that was exciting. We, we really so thank you, Britt Barnes, and she also followed us on on Twitter and stuff. And so the, yeah, that, that's something we really want is we want to we want to grow a nice little you know internet space where if we talk about something on the podcast, then we could quickly post about it and people will know what we're posting. And I don't know. I, I, I've envisioned a lot of cool things for that. So then there's one more email. Dave, do you, do you want to read yeah, this read email? It's from our old friend, Morty. Morty was our very first uh, fan mail. So uh, someone uh, whose avatar is Morty said, uh, it's me again. I'm really liking the podcast. Thank you. I'm really liking you. Thank you. Um, I didn't make the connection. Thank you. About <laughs> Thank you. the meaning of boat of car until you brought it up. That's right. Me neither um, until I brought it up. You can answer this in your unrelated things segment or your letterbox segment. I guess we're choosing the letterbox segment. Dave, I thought we would smash together letterbox and unrelated thing <laughs> into one freakish Frankenstein segment that is going to be exciting. I never know what you find when you open up unrelated thing. What's your favorite movie? Let's answer for each other. So Dave's favorite movie is Big Trouble in Little China. Correct. Or Goodfellas. Right. I nailed it, right? And uh, Jordan's favorite movie is True Stories. True Stories by David Byrne from Talking And here's a true story. Jordan showed it to me and I fell asleep. Uh, (laughs) And I apologize for that. And I've been saying for years I want to rewatch it once I have gotten the proper amount of sleep. 
And the Blu-ray recently came out. So this is partly unrelated thing. The Blu-ray for True Stories. It's my favorite movie. I think any They Might Be Giants fan would love this movie. It's extremely strange and hilarious and and it's very meaningful about how important music is and not in a preachy cheesy way but just in the way that music kind of brings out the real you and it stars john goodman but what about my music it's awful sad i couldn't have that kind of sadness in my life do you really feel that way i I never thought about it maybe i am kind of sad i like sad songs They make me want to lie on the floor. I learned watching the Blu-ray extra features. It's John Goodman's first film. Oh, wow. It's first anything. And I'll just say that, um, obviously, Big Trouble in Little China is the best movie ever made. (laughs) So I don't really need to say much about it. Just just see it yourself. Dave, see, that that opinion from Dave used to be kind of against the grain. But then comic books came out based on Big Trouble and action figures. And now it's kind of like you walk into any like pop culture store or comic store and you see Big Trouble stuff anywhere. But Dave's been saying this for like 20 years. So So the world finally caught up to me. This is Jack Burton and the Pork Chop Express and I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. Like I told my last wife, I says, honey, I never drive faster than I can see. Besides that, it's all in the reflexes. It is kind of weird. I mean, I even feel that way about true stories that the Blu-ray came out and there's a lot of stuff, a lot of online, a lot of interviews, a lot of screenings. And I was like, what? (laughs) Because to me, that was a movie that no one had ever seen, including Talking Heads fans (laughs) had not, a lot of them had not seen this movie. And I had met a lot that had never heard of it, you know, like, like, oh, you you like true stories? Nope. Look, that's a movie that has a parade of accordion players marching down the street and Shriners in cars. It's very TMBG-ish, right. I, I would say. And the songs are fantastic. So I, I guess just, sorry, just for future reference, mm-hmm. so I guess the Unrelated Thing segment is going to be our recommendations. I think Unrelated Things should be stuff that excites us yeah. that is... is Okay. And and, and then sometimes they are tangentially related sure. to They Might Giants, because David Byrne and, I just and like John and John things. have a few crossover moments. You and know, then... Uh, Linnell played on David Byrne's album. He played accordion. Part of me wants to jump and shout Part of me wants to tear it down I thought you might So wow, we're going to cover <laughs> we're going to cover the rest of the album in probably the next two episodes. The reason is I don't think episodes should be more than 2 hours and I I just don't I don't want to like have these massive files for you guys to download or or whatever stream, you know. We'll see you soon for Lincoln Part one and a half. <laughs> yes, and remember the email is don't let's start podcast at gmail.com. The Twitter is at don't let's pod. Don't 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 let's pod. And uh we're gonna we're gonna leave you now. This is Dave Fox and Jordan Cooper saying uh the truth is we don't know anything. It's a small, small girl